0: And welcome to Drew World Order. I am State Representative Andrew Beeler. I'm joined by my co host and colleague, State Representative Andrew Fink. And we're here to talk about everything going on in Lansing and what your state representatives are doing to further the cause of lowercase l liberal democracy in Michigan. There is plenty of interesting bills, perhaps a disproportionate number of interesting bills. One that sticks out is one that came through our committee uh, health, the, uh, the PET scanner bill. Uh, essentially this new technology that exists involving cancer treatment. Uh, we had the inventor, right? I believe of the technology.
1: I don't know. Certainly the, per- the, the people who are, who are the only folks who we know of who are able to implement it here yeah. anyway. Yeah. yeah,
0: I mean, he, he came and testified in front of us in committee and explained the science behind this technology and, and the need for a PET scanner. Naturally, that caused a problem.
1: Well, you know, it
0: <laughs> because why wouldn't it?
1: Well, it's we talked about this already in the ethics package, but it's new. Right. I mean, again, it's so easy to criticize something new uh when we're, you know, comfortable and used to to the way things have been. So yeah, I think that that uh, some of the some of the concerns about it are are not necessarily even about this technology. They're just it's just it's not the way things are.
0: I think I literally read a letter in opposition that said, "We have a good certificate of need system in place that exists for situations like this it wasn't even an argument against the merits of the bill it just said well we've got a good system yeah this bill essentially circumvented the system you know and
1: and and you kind of said this about the but like what are you supposed to do here you you get a bill in front of you that allows a good thing to happen yeah that's currently there are roadblocks to it yeah And, and and it it we talked about some about how important form can be just now. I mean, formal structures, and I do I do value those. But at the same time, when you see a form being made, being elevated over the substance of of uh, what really makes sense, you, you at least have to look. And this is more or less what we did here, and say, well, we need to adjust that. We need to adjust that structure right exactly. now because we got to get you know we. We try to design structures that produce good results. When you think you're failing to produce a good result, you change how you're doing business. Yeah, yeah.
0: And this bill, I think, even didn't go that far. Right? It was really asking for a temporary, a temporary removal of the barriers and then placing the barriers directly back in the way. So yeah, that's what we do. So I think this,
1: you know, and I think it's just it's it's good to acknowledge. Am I do I remember right? This is going to be the only one of these devices in the, in the United States. Correct. So, an, an opportunity to provide a medical technology. I mean, think think about uh, a couple of things that happened actually during the Trump administration. Right to try, where people with terminal illnesses were given better access to potentially life-saving yep. drugs and maybe technology as well. I guess they're at least drug technology, you might say. You know, because because this is supposed to be the land of innovation. Exactly. You know? And then similarly, Operation Warp Speed during the the coronavirus epidemic. Uh, The administration just turned the jets on to allow us to achieve a medical without nor without all of the normal roadblocks.
0: Absolutely. And it's 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 frightening and perhaps saddening to see how quickly things can go when all we do is simply remove manmade roadblocks. But that's what we did with this bill.
1: Now, now I'm depressed. (laughs) Now I'm depressed.
0: What else did we have this week?
1: Well, I think, you know, there's it's you know, every week sometimes I'm almost just amazed at the the breadth of things that we voted on. Two quick things that I think are worth kind of calling attention to. One of them seems very dry, but but actually wound up being the subject of some great conversation, which I think I think people might just enjoy hearing about. Adding a judge in Marquette County. Oh boy. Well, we've got this plan in place that is supposed to tell us how many judges are supposed to be everywhere. Right. Uh, but it's it doesn't it doesn't really know everything, and so so and I, I guess that this is a philosophical point, but it's one that I think is really important and i, I so quoted, before
0: you jump into that say describe what the bill does
1: all right so marquette county has one circuit judge population of about 66 67,000 and uh there's a bill to add a second circuit judge seat in marquette county marquette and county is in the up it's largest the largest
0: landmass county
1: largest landmass county in the eastern united states you on know, the east of the mississippi by far or ob- obviously the largest in michigan marquette is the uh, and in terms of population the largest the largest by population in the up by a factor of i don't know two or three mm-hmm. i'm not sure what the second biggest and count they were was.
0: asking for a second circuit judge At,
1: well rep cam Benzie, who represents them had a bill asking for a, se- yeah, right. a second circuit judge and they had had one in the past i think that had been eliminated by attrition a few years ago yep. according to the previous you know to, to the to the plan uh i don't remember the name of the plan SCOA. But, well the state the state court administrative office scale uh but i think they rely on some national scale yeah scale they rely on go as
0: a spin-off of <laughs> probably haven't heard state state Car-
1: state court office of administration. Yeah. That's the <laughs> sister organization, but the, so scale has got, got this plan, but I, I, I don't, I don't actually think that they, I think it's a, a formula that's more or less a national or, uh, you're uh, really
0: underplaying the formula and for a data driven policymaker, just, just tell us. Well, I was us- getting to
1: that. I was going to say like, just, th- so think back to what, uh, uh, Thomas soul said, he says, show me the data. Right. So th- that's always a good question. Uh, but, the formula, again, doesn't know everything we know. For instance, it doesn't know that Marquette County is the largest county, physically the largest county sure. in the eastern United States. Sure. Right. So and it projects, I think, one point nine to, to one point two judges. And so uh, you're kind of looking at this and and every other county of about the same size. And this is something I checked before deciding what to do on this bill has two judges. So I guess this is this is just a policy point where I, I refer to this, this earlier, Andrew, but, you know. People of reasonable minds, I think, can disagree about this. Yeah. And in, in fact, we did disagree in, about in, this. In this case, Yeah. people so, of reasonable minds disagree. So the conservatives voted to add another judge because we want to make sure that the people are getting justice swiftly and confidently.
0: An ongoing motif is that the think vote is the more conservative, whether it grows the size of government or shrinks it. Somehow, he's a, he's a spin master. I You're pre- entering the spin zone.
1: I appreciate you recognizing that in the, any event, the conservative vote was in, my vote in this and every case. But the point is, the point is uh, people of reasonable minds could disagree about this. Sure. And, and, you you know,
0: frankly, as a no vote, I had a very interesting conversation with one of our UP caucus members about this and all of the arguments make total sense and they're essentially the arguments that you brought up. Um, and yet at the end of the day, as a data driven policymaker, I felt that if we have a system, if we have a mechanism, either fix the mechanism or do what the mechanism says, um, and ultimately, I was outvoted
1: I don't even by think a tremendous margin. Honestly, I don't even think you think that. I mean, I, as a as as we establish the Drew I world order, as we establish the Drew world order here, <laughs> I think that you would agree that ultimately our job is to use our judgment. Certainly, because you, you, we we know that we can never predict. Everything perfectly ahead. Of there is no perfect model that knows everything that a human being can know. We have to be able to access our rationality and make deviations from. I'm not trying to talk you back into this bill. It's too late now. It's too late. I was yeah. right. And
0: you were wrong. You can't. You can, undo hey, that. You can vote on but it when it comes I'm back from the Senate. We could stick our thumb to the sky and try to figure out how many judges should be in each county, or we could develop a system. I don't. I don't know how much taxpayer money is used to fund SCAO, but you know, if if it doesn't work, get rid of it or fix it. And
1: uh, I don't think you've got to say that a model is useless in order to say sometimes we have to deviate from it. I I mean, look, a fair fair, argument. Think about sports. You know, every baseball coach or football coach, they've got charts that tell, you know, it's fourth down to on the 30 on your opponents, 39, you're down three and there's nine minutes left. Modern football coaches have a chart that tells them what to do there. But uh, relying 100 percent on the chart when you know, maybe the chart doesn't know that the wind is blowing at seventy-five miles an hour. Wow! Right, that's probably a bad example. That's an implausible Windy speed. day. Doesn't know that it's raining. Cats and dogs. Doesn't know that the wind is blowing. Doesn't,
0: doesn't know that your left tackle rolled his ankle on the
1: previous play. Chart doesn't know. Yep. That's
0: the, that's a the fair point, point. The
1: point is, you just you always have to be able to access your judgment. Sure. You know, and sometimes and
0: so, sometimes you access your judgment and get it wrong.
1: Also, by the way, I never voted like to establish this plan that scale uses. I don't I actually don't know how reliable it sounds is like the, the administrative place. state to me. Well, it's something we could get into in future episodes. There had I'm to have sure. been
0: some there had to have been some more substantive bills we voted on.
1: Well, I think another one that's that's actually uh, a, a small package that's worth dwelling on for a second. Um, Rep Leitner and Rep Whitworth had these bills regarding the parole board review process where uh, I know this sounds boring parole board review process, but listen. People are in prison who have committed violent acts. And if they come up every year for parole, their victims are... And remember, these are not, these are not alleged victims. These are people who have been found to be in a, in a trial or by plea, the victims of a felony crime. Right. And they have to be notified every year and ask for their input on whether somebody's going to be released. And some of these folks, when they go in front of the parole board the first time, the parole board knows these are not good candidates for release and looking at them year after year is only going to reopen the old wounds yeah. and and kind of create unnecessary an unnecessary administrative burden yeah uh for, for wh-
0: someone who ultimately is is not close to receiving parole
1: exactly okay exactly and so what these th- what these bills is, is that they put it out to a five it, they allow the parole board to put it onto a five-year review where after instead of after one year be after five years there's another opportunity for parole obviously I mean, these people are still eligible for parole yeah so the point is not to to do away with that it's more to just make reasonable you know uh uh, judgments about how good of a candidate somebody is, whether we need to do it every year as an administrative burden. But again, I, I mean, I, I will, I will say I had some experience with this as an attorney, uh, but victims being, uh, forced to, you know, sort of face their Related. attacker again, yeah. you know, if make if their
0: case again, essentially. Exactly. The, uh, the two bills I would bring up. And I guess I, you know, to me, they're, they're the most freedom supporting bills that we voted on this week. Any guesses what they were? Okay, I'll tell you. These two Senate bills that came over that we voted on in health regarding emergency insulin supplies. Insulin has been a hot topic in Lansing this year, um, but to, this week we voted on two bills regarding an emergency supply of insulin. If a diabetic, uh, for whatever reason, finds themselves unable to refill their prescription um, but needs needs to refill, it is currently illegal for a pharmacist to provide them a drug that could potentially save their life. And it's a drug that can't be abused. It is used for no other purpose than for diabetics to maintain a quality of living. It's, it's, it's ineffective and dangerous if used in the wrong proportion, whether too much or too little. There's, no, there's very little room to abuse this drug and it's illegal still for the pharmacist to, to provide that. And so we passed two bills that would allow a pharmacist to provide that emergency supply of insulin, supports freedom, Shrinks the size of government. Literally a life
1: or death people. issue where the solution lies within, you know, the a professional pharmacist who are, who, who, who these people are capable right. of understanding yep. the situation, determining whether it's appropriate to dispense an emergency exactly. supply of insulin. Yep. Uh, but they're currently, you know, locked down from doing that. And yeah. I, I, I really think it's worth dwelling on the, on the, on the point for a second that it's not a recreation. There's no real recreational use yeah. for insulin. Exactly. So the danger here is, is hard to articulate. You know, other than we want people to kind, you know, people who are. I, I suppose this is just in the background of our prescription drug system generally that you know you want people to be under the care of a physician and and relying on their physician for how they're supposed to be using drugs. Uh, but but somebody who's a type one diabetic. I mean, most most people I'm sure know somebody who has type one diabetes. All of us know many people who have type two diabetes. I think, uh, you know, we serve with with somebody who's got type one diabetes. Uh, it's not as though these are folks who are uh, who who are misusing the medicine that's been given to them yeah uh, but it doesn't mean that they never run into a situation where exactly they do whatever travel exactly. uh missed appointment what have you yeah. uh they they need to and they need to get an emergency supply and, and again i want to emphasize like the pharmacists can understand this exactly and make a professional decision yep. about it.
0: And and we're asking them to break the law to save someone's life in many cases. Perhaps that would, not that dramatic, yeah, but certainly to 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 treat someone. No. So,
1: or at least put them in we put them into conflict. You we know, don't moral exactly. conflict for no reason. Exactly.
0: And you know, this is a small bill, may not register for anyone, but for those who it does register for, it's a huge deal. And I think that it's a great example of cutting red tape, reducing a regulation to to pass a meaningful reform that
1: will help people in the state. Spot on. All right, that takes care of this episode. Thanks a lot for listening to Drew World Order. Tune in again next time.